You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. a great place. You're in a great church. I believe that God is about to do something really great in this church. You're going to see this place grow. It will expand. And I believe this church is going to be a light. Among many churches, there'll be a light to this nation. And all it takes are willing people. I was sharing this morning uh, in prayer time. Daniel was sharing this word. And basically, it was a word about holiness. And he was saying that, if it's okay for me to share this, Daniel, you got the thumbs up. Uh, He was saying that... uh, the thing that he has absolutely loved, he loves movies, he loves superhero movies, but the thing that he absolutely loved the most in his life was horror movies. And the Lord began to convict him about those horror movies. The Bible says, you know, uh, love casts out fear. And so fear is not meant to be something that we, that we share, that we have in our hearts at all. And any cause of it, any evil, any appearances of evil, we've got to cast it out. Anyway, the Lord was speaking to his heart, and he was sharing with us this morning. I mean, this is really candid and real, if you, if you know how much Daniel loves his movies. So he did a crazy thing, and he threw out all his horror movies. Can you give a hand to the Lord this morning? Give a hand to Daniel as well. Uh, I was reminded of a conversation that I had while I was in Malaysia. And I was speaking to a pastor of a great church, Pastor Lawrence Yap. He leads Chris uh, Christian Center. It's a church of probably around 1,200 people. It's massive, and we tend to go there every year. And uh, you might have heard some stories I shared once about a kid's foot, uh, sorry, an old man's foot that grew three inches. That was in that particular church. Anyway, he was sharing with me that there is a revival that is imminent and breaking out in Malaysia. And he was sharing with us that what's been happening is, it's actually pastor from Indonesia, uh, Philip Montofa. Do you, know, you guys know him? Philip Montofa, he's got a church of about, I think he's got 100 churches or 1,000 churches, about 100,000 people. This is, these are people really hungry for the Lord. I've got to tell you, there is no substitute for the hunger of God. When you know what God is able to do in your life and how he can use you to touch other people's lives. The thing is, the church, we are bored because we're not doing the things that God has asked us to do. You're all called to be ministers of the new covenant, meant to reconcile people with God. But what we do, I know, I thank you for the two people that agree. Praise the Lord. But what we're meant to do, there we go, we're on fire. And we're meant to be on fire for the Lord. And the thing about fire, it catches. You know, we're talking about fires recently, it just catches everywhere. We're meant to be fire carriers. But what happens is when you're not doing the things of God, when you're not in the house of God, when you're not actively growing in the Lord and praying, what happens is that fire begins to burn out. Some of you are burned out. Not in the way you think burned out, you feel it. But you're burned out because you're no longer in fire. That excitement that used to be in your heart is gone. And I believe the Lord wants to reignite the fire in your heart. So Pastor Lawrence is sharing about uh, this Pastor Philip Montofa. He's a pastor from Indonesia, and he believes the revival is going to come from Southeast Asia. I'm jealous. It's going to come from Australia. From Australia. But are you willing to pay the price? So they're paying the price. They decided, and they've been calling prayer movements uh, in East Malaysia to start with in Sabah, in Sarawak. He was telling me, I think it's the one in Sabah, was the day that they were celebrating Malaysia Day. 
And if you've been following the news at all, I've been sending information to the Malaysia team before we left. There's been our, our, our brethren in Indonesia, every year they burn off all their fields so they can regrow new things. And all that smoke blows across to Malaysia. And so the time of year when we travel, sister knows what I'm talking about, it's hazy. Like, I, I wish we had blue sky, but generally when we go to Malaysia, it's haze. It's just like gray, green is what it looks like. Pretty ugly sky. And uh, they were telling us that it was so toxic at that time that we were about to go that people were wearing masks and the government actually canceled school and work and told the people to stay indoors, turn the air conditioning on so it filters the air because that's how bad the air was. And so they were going to cancel the prayer meeting, but the people decided we're going to pray for revival. We don't care. We will take the risk. That's the thing. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to take the risk? So all these people, thousands upon thousands, 40,000 people came together to pray for the nation of Malaysia, to pray for Southeast Asia. And here's what happened. They sent a drone up in the air really high up. And the pastor was explaining to me, you notice the footage? It is completely and totally clear. What happened was that during this entire time that they were praying, it was like a dome was covering that area that went right up to the heavens. And not a touch, not a little bit of haze actually entered that place. They could see clearly. They could breathe clearly. The entire time, they were on that mountaintop praying and seeking God. 40,000 people. We, I don't know, it gives me goosebumps. And I asked the Malaysians, I said, when was the last time you saw a gathering of 40,000 people praying to God despite the weather, despite the dangers? 40,000 people, and they couldn't remember a day. There's been one outbreaking of revival in Malaysia in a remote village and area among the longhouses in East Malaysia as well. That's why they've gone back there. They're trying to rekindle the fires. And we're missing something here in the Australian context, in the Western world. We're lying the sins and the attention is focused on the crazy things that people are doing. But let God take care of that. Our focus needs to be on the Lord and urgently desiring a revival to break out. And listen, I, I got some fellow pastors. I love them to bits. And they'll tell me, oh, pastor, you shouldn't pray for revival to come. Revival's already here. Where? I'm not seeing it. I don't know what you're talking about. We have to pray for revival. And to tie in what uh, Daniel was saying, the key things that Pastor Lawrence is saying with revival is that there is a, a repentance that breaks out first. Where people are actually realizing my sin is great. My sin is heavy. And if I keep going this way, I'm going to drift far from the Lord. And I need to do something drastic in my life. It's almost that point of physical health where you know you're about to die and the doctor says, your days are numbered. You have a month to live. you got two months to live. That would immediately change the way that you live your life. And that's what it's like in the spirit realm, that you are not healthy. And if it's not healthy in the spirit realm, you won't be healthy in the physical realm. That's how it works. What you're seeing around you in the Western nations where there is incredible godlessness all around you is not manifesting first in the physical realm and now having an impact in the spirit realm. You've got it all wrong. It happens first in the spirit realm. The Bible says that God is spirit and God made the heavens and the earth. So the spirit realm is more powerful, more supreme, more real than the natural realm. But we live in a world where we are prayerless. Can I be real with you? Is that all right? The church is prayerless. 
We want programs. We want a, a band. We want the lights. I love that stuff, okay? I used to gig around. I used to sing. Okay, so it's okay. I understand that. But what I'm trying to tell you is it cannot be the basis for why we gather. The songs that we play. Is a message going to excite me? Is a message going to entice me? Forget about it. If God has planted you here, there has to be this hunger stirred up in your heart. God, I will not move. You planted me here. I refuse to move. But if I'm not happy with and the revival's not coming, then it's going to happen over my body. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I will sacrifice until I see it happen. See, a lot of times the church waits for the pastor to do all the work. I'm telling you, I'm just one person. I'm like you. There's nothing special about me. I do have the heavy responsibility to lead the church, and God help me that I'll do it well. But I need you to pray with me. I need you to believe with me. I need you to trust with me that God is about to move in this place. So I want to call you as a church to begin to pray, but it begins with repentance before revival happens. The second thing that happens is what Daniel is describing. He is actually going through revival. And he doesn't, you haven't put words on it yet. You're actually experiencing revival. When the Holy Spirit begins convicting you of sin in your life, because he'll forgive you. Repentance is like, I'm just sorry. And God loves you in your sin. But at the same time, God says, be holy because I'm holy. Be holy as I'm holy. I made you in my image. I've given you a mandate to change and transform the environment of the world around you. But as long as a sin is in your life, you can never bring the kingdom on earth. Some of you, you have had prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. This morning, the team is going to be praying for you. If you've never heard a prophetic word from the Lord, you're going to hear it this morning. If you have, you're probably going to have similar words will be coming out from the team. These guys are trained. They're hot. They're fiery from Malaysia. They've been preaching. They've been praying. They've been seeing amazing, dramatic things happening in people's lives. God is using them. These are your people. Only because they're willing to pay the price the cost, the sacrifice to get revival in their own hearts. And you're going to hear their stories this morning. So would you welcome the Malaysia team with me as they find their seats up here? Come on, guys. Are you okay if we sit down this morning? We're just going to be comfortable. We're just going to be family this morning, okay? Let's keep it real. And uh, when you hear something that's right, look, get excited about it. Don't just sit back. And I want you to understand, this is you sitting on this chair. This is just ordinary people, okay, ordinary people. And God has been using them to do extraordinary things. I, I prepared them with a few questions uh, before today, but it wasn't until last night when I gave it to them. So they've had a lot of preparation time for this one. So I think you'll find a lot of them will be just flying by the seat of their pants. They are going to answer to you truthfully. Okay, we're going to go around, and, I'm going to, and we're going to pass the microphone around, okay? Let's just keep doing the rounds. But if you feel compelled by the Lord, you have to share right now. Just go out of turn. It's okay. Yeah, I, I saw something when I was coming down here this morning. Yep. I just Between the community center and up here, there was just dry grass. And I thought, one match, one spark, and it's up. And when you were just sharing, then God just said, that's, that's this area. And we're that spark. He's sparking us. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And that's the thing with the revival. Some of you were waiting until things turn around and the nation gets better before revival comes. Revival doesn't, doesn't come that way. Revival comes in a place. Uh, the Bible says uh, when, when the devil comes in like a flood, God will raise up a banner. Okay, the revival comes after the devil tried to do his very best, but there's resurrection around the corner. 
Okay? God's about to do something great, and I agree with you. There's going to be a fire lit. What you see in the natural realm, God usually explains to the spirit realm. I agree with you. Thank you for that. The question I have for you, and we're going to go around, and again, uh, you're allowed to step out of turn. It's quite all right. We're going to keep it very real. We're going to have a conversation. Forget the guys here. They're your family. We're just going to have family time now. So my first question to you is, what preparation did you make before coming to Malaysia? I told you, I don't want you to wait to get there before we change. Now has got to be the time of change. And some of you, I'd like you to share your story with, uh, with the church. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you're for it. Just go for it, Chris. It's on. Preparation was that um, I had to learn to spend more time in prayer with the Lord, Amen. and I had to start serving um, more with people. Um, something I don't do freely, so it it was an effort for me. If I'm being truthfully honest, I really didn't spend much time in the Word at all, so. Um, it was a bit of a challenge for me to start doing that daily and getting into connect groups a bit more and doing that. And it turns out it was fantastic. So. Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. You're allowed to give a hand to that. That's great. Encourage you guys. Um, okay. Well, the preparation I had was actually a bit of a struggle for me as well because when, I, I'm, when we had our first Malaysia meeting, we, I started doing my daily read on the Bible Tree app. And from that, you know... The first couple of times I struggled finding something in the word that I was reading because I was like, what are you trying to tell me? What am I trying to do? And then the moment I came here and started serving, I, I joined Nen's team and I started reading and I could just get pages and oh pages and pages word. of stories. Praise the Lord. I've got to give so a hand to that. That was, that was the preparation I had. Awesome. Wait. Talia. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, like with me, it was really hard because I was still in my busy routine with dance and school and just that and then it came to a point where I just felt God say to me, just stop and focus on me. Like, you just need to put all your time onto me so that I can sow into you onto, like, throughout the trip. And so from that point on, I just started to focus on God's words and pictures before the trip so I could just fully meditate on him. That's fantastic. Thanks, hon. Um, for me, because I did work a full-time job, it was really hard for me to prioritise God first. And he kind of convicted me to, you know, start putting him first because I'm going on a mission soon. And so what I did was I got um, three weeks before the trip, I got two days off each week just to spend in time in prayer and fasting because I was getting really spiritually attacked. Wow. And I knew it was because I wasn't truly putting God first. So... Um, Could you I elaborate a little bit more? Like, what does attack look like? Because sometimes we use these big words. <laughs> you got ordinary people, we're the church, mm. and we don't understand what that is. What does it look like? For me, I was having a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of mental breakdowns um, right before going to Malaysia. I actually almost lost my job because I had a couple of days off. And so my leader, because she actually is a Christian as well, um, she gave me time off to be you know, to be able to prioritize God. And wow. I got to spend a lot of time fasting. I got to spend days in worship, in prayer. And it was just amazing. It was like a really big breakthrough for me. Oh, my so. goodness. Praise the Lord. That's so good. Thanks, E. Um, <laughs> I realized I wasn't praying as much as I probably should have been, should be. And so, yeah, it was more just setting time aside specifically to pray and to just let God speak. <laughs> and I was really praying for 
something different. And I know I like we've prayed that every year. We've been like we want something different. We don't want to see the same things. Um, but this year I really felt like every year has been different. But I was praying for something really like I wanted my eyes reopened. Yes. Yeah. And I was, yeah. yeah. And Marty, thanks. Yeah. No, I mean it might sound a bit cliche, but the whole prayer and um, and reading God's word. You know, I, I mean, I've been doing it every morning. For the, I mean, been doing it anyway, but. For the month before we went, was really concentrated, and then I'd come home and just sit in my lounge downstairs, downstairs, and just pray. But um, more of a praying in spirit than I haven't before, and then um, yeah, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and His leading. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and I'm really proud of these guys. Yeah, give them a hand. Let's let's celebrate them. We explained to the, to the team, and I, I want you to understand this. Uh, what we do with them, if you, if you would like to sign up for a Malaysia trip, I'll get some forms ready. You can sign up. But here's the thing. It's a spiritual boot camp. And sometimes the, the, I know the team looks at me saying, you want me to do that? <laughs> I've told them once a week, I want you to pray for at least one hour. So you, you can pray your 10, 15 minutes every day. But once a week, you set aside one hour in your calendar where you cry out to God. You're going to run out of things to say. And that's when you need to pray in your spirit language. That's where God will begin to do his most powerful work in your life. And uh, the word is very important for them to read because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of it flow the issues of life. So if you're filling your heart with the word of God, what will come out of your, out of your mouth is the word of God. So if we are indeed supposed to be ministering to people, then it's important that they understand, I won't be next to you. I'll be praying for other people here. They believe that you are the minister of the gospel and that you have something for the people. So you need to be ready for it. So they began to read and to apply themselves to, to the word of God and to prayer. Sorry, I've got a little bit of feedback here. Okay, here's my next question for you guys. Uh, what made you decide to go? And let's go around again from the top to the, to the end there. Um, I've known about the Malaysian trip many years but I've never really felt like I wanted to go I wasn't ready but for some reason this year I felt like the Lord was just putting it on my heart you know to have a go so many things happened I got my passport done just in time by a fraction of a time and then I had to apply for leave because work's doing a big shifting so um it wasn't guaranteed that I'd get leave because it's right at the time when we're moving. So they approved that as well. So everything just fell into place. So I knew it was God and I knew it was my time to go. Well, I hadn't been here very long and then I heard, uh, heard, heard about it, didn't really pay much attention until I'd been approached by Pastor Paul about it. And after that, I was sort of umming and ahhing about it, but you just get that gut feeling, which now I know is the Holy Spirit telling me to, to go. So I'm glad I listened yeah, and, uh, and went. Um, well, I was actually really unsure when it came up because I had honestly fallen away from church for about two years. And I decided I, I'd gone to church but never really had any re-emotional connections with it or anything like that. So I decided to come back here because um, Ben and I, we were looking for a new church to go to, and Nana. <laughs> so she suggested it, and we came in, and then for some reason I just kept coming back. And then the Malaysian trip came up, and I, I remember hearing, like, when I was younger, like, 
felt too young to go. All these miracles that have happened, I was like, look, I've fallen away for so long. I need like a reignitement of that. Wow. So that was when I started praying about it. And then Ben got asked and I got wow. mad. And then we both decided to go. So <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> all fell into place. That was so wonderful. Yeah. Tell me. The question was, what made you decide to go? Right, 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 right. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, it was actually my third time going and third actual time because the other times I was little. Child, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know this. Um, and I just really wanted to go back into that atmosphere of constant prayer and seeing all these miracles and just how big God can actually, like, work and see him fully... I don't know the words, but yeah. Emerge. Go girl, go girl, that's all right. That's it. Vanessa, thanks. Um, for me, I've never really heard of like going on mission trips and stuff. I've, I've grown up in churches where you just don't hear about people going overseas for missions and stuff. So wow. I really didn't know what to expect. And my dad was kind of like hyping me up to go. <laughs> he was like, you go next year, GT. <laughs> I felt like he was kind of like pushing me to go and I was like, I don't know, I'm like kind of nervous about it. But I went home and prayed about it and I prayed in the spirit and something told me that I had to really push myself out of my comfort zone to really see God move and see the Holy Spirit. Now, your story is interesting, Vanessa, because you'd only been water baptized this year. Yeah. And I, I just, so as a pastor, I, I'm looking for the reason why you want to be water baptized is that you are truly repentant. There's a change that's happened in your heart. And I, and I needed to see that that was real. So I had a conversation because, you know, mom and dad sometimes have that influence over it. You're getting water baptized. Okay, I'm getting water baptized. But it wasn't the case at all. Uh, Vanessa, she genuinely wanted to be water baptized. And I just want to congratulate you and honor you this morning because every decision you've made has just gone, gotten you deeper and deeper into the Lord. And it is, it is challenging, isn't it? But this is how we grow. Thank you so much. Eden. Um, so, I know I've said this before, but I, I feel like Malaysia is like my spiritual home in a, in a way. Um, when I went in 2010, so I was nine years old, and God really did something in me then. Like, it was the, it was the first time I got uh, the language of tongues, and the first time I felt not embarrassed to put my hands up and worship like because I always got scared I was like oh mum and dad are going to see me <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was the first time that <laughs> um I guess like that fear of like being embarrassed was lifted so every time I go back I just love seeing like the hunger and Amen. yeah I don't know like just yeah. I feel like that's my spiritual home and I felt like even though I went last year and I went the year before God was still like hey it's time to come home like I wanted my eyes reopened in a way there's always something new every time we go. Marty, what made you decide to go? Um, I've been in India a stack of times, and um, in saying that, I've been living on that past glory. And um, I used to, thinking about Malaysian trip, I used to judge them really badly. And oh, <laughs> staying in fancy hotels, and doing shopping, and you know, it's, it, compared to India, that's that's really slumming it. And um, so as you know, I. I've had a, a really hard heart for a really long time and there's a lot of pride there. And then um, I was just got up one morning and I thought, Malaysia, what, Malaysia? 
you serious? And then um, I think Daniel actually had lunch with Pastor Paul that day and then Daniel said, oh, Pastor Paul asked me about Malaysia. And I went, Malaysia, that's twice. <laughs> and then on Sunday I went up to Pastor Paul and said, uh, Pastor Paul, he says, yeah, I said, look, I understand if you say no, but if there's a spot on the Malaysian team. And he just, he just laughed because he was praying about it during the week and he said, you know, should I approach Marty? He said, God said, no, don't, he'll come to you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and when God talks to you, don't, don't ignore it. And, um, yeah. Amen. Yeah, I agree with that. Around. That's it. Okay, we're going to get to the deeper stuff now. What did you learn about on your missions journey? It doesn't have to be one thing. It may be several things that God has shown you, uh, things that he's, you've had to wrestle with and you finally have victory over it, something the Lord exposed or showed you. So what did you learn about on your missions journey? For me, it, uh, the first half of the trip was a real... Um, the Lord was really uh, challenging me as something that I had buried deep, deep down inside and it took me probably the whole week... <laughs> a lot of crying, a lot of ministry, that sort of thing, just to deal with this situation that I hadn't realised that I had actually buried it for such a long time. Wow. So that was the first part. But the second part was more the challenge of stepping out and praying for people. And what got me is I feel so inadequate sometimes, but these people were coming up for prayer and all I got was they just wanted you to pray. And just being obedient and stepping out and praying, if, whether you had something for them or not, but they were willing to accept what you had for them. So I found that was very challenging. I had a question. I, I don't know if it was from Marty or one of the team. They said, why is it we see so many miracles there, we don't see as many at home? And I said, the reason is uh, the Bible says that Jesus could do few miracles in his own hometown because of their lack of faith. Jesus is a son of God. There's no lack of faith there, but they shut it down. So one of the aims of our trips is to gather as many people as we can, because once they see miracles, you can't go back. You've seen it with your own eyes. You've cast demons out. You've commanded legs to grow. You've seen backs straightened. You've seen eyes see, ears hear. It's hard to go back from that when you recount it and you remember. And the key thing is this. It's like when we have a, a guest preacher come into the house. I've had this happen on a number of occasions. Every local pastor knows this. You bring a guest speaker in the house, speaking the same thing you said, and they're like, wow, this is revelation from the old pastor. Why don't you preach like that? You're like, oh, God. But it's because sometimes it's that visiting ministry. People tend to open up and receive more. And so they come in. They expect these guys to perform miracles. They expect these guys to have words of prophecy. They'll pull out their phone to record the prophetic words they're going to say because they treat the word of God with such respect that the Holy Spirit has to move. This is about the Lord. And so that's why God moves. Let's go back. Yep. Um, it, was, it was a real roller coaster of a journey for me because I spent the first few days uh, sort of in the same boat as Chris where... I didn't feel like I was fitting in. I didn't feel like I was strong enough in the Word and I didn't feel like I was going to be able to do what was asked of me. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how God works and, and He works through you and He uses what little you have to the biggest ability that He can. And I also had the challenge of having some things in the past that I tried to bury come back up to the surface and it took a little bit of a push from Pastor Paul to, to share my story to really start to feel like I'm breaking down those walls and those barriers and 
I still feel now like that's something that's happened and it's and it's still real while we're back. So yeah. Crazy. That's fantastic. Thanks, Jade. Um, it's a little bit different for me. I was um really weird to go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, come on, come on. like I'll pray for you, it's fine. Um, I got very excited about it. But I, I feel like the thing that really changed for me was um the realization of the world we actually live in. Um and also just ha my sin because like when I was here and I was preparing I was very like yeah I can do this like you can do this with me like I have faith for it I'm going to believe in this but I didn't realize that the sin I was doing behind closed doors that I didn't realize was sin was actually there and I just kind of oh no it's fine so coming back from Malaysia and being there um the conviction is pretty real so every time I go back to what I was doing before yeah. I feel it in my stomach now and I know yeah. what that stomach feeling is. So, yeah. you know, I Praise feel like he's Lord. definitely wow. talking that to me more. Amazing. Praise the Lord. You know, we, we encourage a team. So you're, you're all, as a church, we're meant to be ministers of the gospel. You should be able to pray for people and see miracles, cast demons out. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can do all these things. But what happens is it's the sin in our lives, that compromise that you make. You give everything to the Lord except for this much. That's what will shut you down. And when you're trying to bring a prophetic word for people, because the Holy Spirit will show you things, if there's sin in your life, it's like lenses that are put on over your eyes. So even though you're seeing and hearing things from the Lord, what you see and what you hear will be tainted by the sin in your life. So the word that actually comes out can, in fact, be damaging, let alone inaccurate, even though you're actually hearing from the Lord. So until you deal with it, you will not be able to be effectively used by the Lord. And I want to encourage you as a church, again, this is just normal Christianity. You're meant to be reading the Word daily. You're meant to be praying regularly so that the Lord, and dealing with the issues of sin in your heart, so that you can be an effective minister of the gospel. Thanks, Talia. Um, every year that I go over, I always get this really scared feeling that I can't do as big of things because I am normally like the youngest one on the team. And dad really just reiterated how you never have a baby holy spirit like everyone has the same spirit as each other and yeah, so yeah. i can do all these <laughs> i can do like all these big things and but it's not actually me doing it it's god so the more i trust him and the more i put my faith into him he's going to increase my faith and increase like the that I have over these people. The yeah, the anointing. There we go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well done. Go. Um, for me, I, I actually hate public speaking. So I'm only up here by the grace of God. Um, <laughs> it, um, the Malaysian trip kind of taught me that, you know, God can use anyone. You have the faith, the small, the size of a mustard seed, he can use you. If he can use me, he yeah. can use you. Yeah. And um, what he kind of told me there was, you know, be obedient and I will be able to usually use you fully. Um, and I kind of put off sharing my testimony for like the whole trip. I only did it, I think, a day before we left. And um, as soon as I did, you know, I felt the Lord convicting me to just go up there, share your testimony. And that was the first time I ever told people my full story and how Jesus moved in my life and how good he was. And I just felt the Holy Spirit so greatly within me. And, you know, God does come when we obey him and we're obedient to him. So, um, yeah, that's basically what I learned. And uh, just while we're holding off there, you, yeah, you're allowed to clap for her. Encourage her. That's good. Me, say like a minute. You're encouraging her. 
Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, it's very important that I think that you guys get an opportunity to share your story. So we'll do that in following weeks. So you get to actually hear real stories of real people. These are the people that sit right next to you. Okay, thanks. I learned God has a really funny way of showing you things. <laughs> so it, I guess it was almost kind of dangerous, like being on past mission, mission trips, because I came with the expectation that there'd be these amazing miracles and we'd see many healings. And the first week we were like, I was talking with some of the girls, like we, we found it really challenging because we weren't seeing what we had talked about before. Like we weren't seeing the crazy miracles. We weren't seeing like, um, you know, people getting delivered. It, it seemed really bland and just off. And it wasn't till I think we got to KL and one of the other, one of the team members from Waterbrook Church um, was talking to me and she was like, well, do you still have faith in God even when he's not doing what you expect? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, of course I do. She's like, but you, you know they're real. Like, you know he's real. You know miracles can happen. You've seen it before. But do you still have faith when they're not happening in your time? And I was like, okay, okay. And then I'm pretty sure it was like the day after, maybe two days after, and we went to an old folks' home and God did something crazy there. Like, yeah. it, it was it was powerful. There was miracles. There was uh, deliverances. People being delivered. Deliverance <laughs> ministry among all folks. I was so surprised. Yeah, yeah that's right. Thanks, Mike. Um, it's good when, I mean, Talia said about the, the baby Holy Spirit. There's no baby. It's when we get the recurring themes. And for me, the recurring theme that kept coming up was the, the story of the talents. That we, we've all been given a talent. And, and my, one of my biggest things before we went was um, we see this in Malaysia. Why don't we see it in Australia? And the thing is we're given talents. And I was given a talent 20 years ago. But I used it once and then it dried up and I buried it. And um, God gave that talent back. And it's, it's not just us eight of us sitting here that have got that talent. It's you guys have got that talent as well. And, you know, you, you take that talent and you use it, one, ten, twenty talents, and make it more, God's going to give you more. But if you don't use it, that one talent that you do have, he's going to take it away. And, and I don't want that talent. I don't want to lose that talent again. Um, we, we need to use our talents. And then when we do, that's when that fire is going to go out there. Because people are going to come in here. We're going to use it. We're going to prophesy. We're going to be healings. And they're going to go out and go, oh, well, I went to church on Sunday. And this is what happened. You know, I had that sore arm and it got healed. This person spoke into my life that there's no way anyone would have known about it because I didn't tell anybody. You've got to come with us. And then people are just going to come in here and Amen. just flood it. Amen. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to do something a bit different from what we do normally with church, if you'll allow us to do this. We're going to close the service officially for those who absolutely have to leave straight away. But I want to encourage you, stay behind. Stay with us as we close the service officially, because we'd like to have an opportunity to pray for you. I'm going to share a couple of miracle stories with you. Uh, not from Malaysia. I should have got you guys to share them. In fact, you can think of one. But, um, you know, uh, our own Mema, Sonia. Mema, who's over there serving kids' ministries. Do you notice she doesn't wear glasses? So from the age, was it third grade or younger? She's always worn glasses. She was short-sighted and, oh, and far-sighted. Sorry, both. She needed glasses from the time she was very little. In one of our services on the north side of Brisbane, 
we were just praying for people. There was a heaviness in the place of the power of God. People were leaning into the, into the Lord, and they wanted him. They wanted him. We were leading in worship. And she didn't have anyone pray for her. Now, we pray for many people. I can tell you stories about what happened there, miraculous things. She came forward to the Lord, and she says, God, I, I was telling a story of how a friend of mine, his whole family wore glasses, and he was starting to go blind, a healing evangelist. And he refused to have it. He says, I'm a healing evangelist, Lord. I can't have this. And he prayed over his eyes. First, for a whole year, nothing happened. Kept praying. Eventually, he could see. He, he didn't need the glasses. So she was so thrilled about that. She claimed it in her heart. She came forward and said, Lord, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. Nothing wrong with her. It's just normal. You guys wearing glasses know what I'm talking about. You're so used to it, you've owned it. She didn't want it. She refused, and she said, Lord, I don't want to wear these glasses anymore. I need you to heal my eyes. Did the Lord heal her that night? No. But the next day, she was at work in front of her computer, and she's struggling to see the, the screen, and she's getting headaches. And eventually, she took her glasses off to clean them and rub her eyes. And as she looked at the screen, she could see clearly. She thought, they can't be. Put the glasses back on. She couldn't see. It was blurry. Took them off as she could see. To this day, you'll see her straight after the service. You'll notice she doesn't wear glasses. Can I give you another story? Just so you know, this is real. My own wife. The Lord told us in November 2005, I was praying for two hours in an old church. I was an assistant back then. We were in, in two to three years of consistent 24-7 prayer. I came to the front area here where the pulpit was, and the Lord said to me, you're healed. You're going to have a son. You'll call him David. That week, that Sunday, I was preaching, so I told the whole church what the Lord said. I ran it past my wife first. She goes, I agree. <laughs> it feels right. So I told the church we had the two older girls, two girls, we were happy with them. That was it. We thought two kids were done. But once the Lord tells you something, now I had a holy dissatisfaction in my heart. I could not just not have the boy. I had to have a boy now. So I told the church, and every week for years, people would come up to us in the congregation, Pastor Paul, congratulations on the pregnancy. I said, no, my wife's not pregnant yet, but it's coming. Pastor Paul, when's the baby due? Oh, no, my wife's not pregnant yet, but it's coming. We didn't have the baby in that church. It was years after. In 2010, we, we came and pastored a church on, in Springfield Lakes. There were 10 other couples who were told by the doctors, you cannot naturally conceive. Some were quite serious. Some were hormonal issues. One was looking at uh, one of them, the couples, wanted to come to Malaysia in 2010 with us. And just before they're about to leave, they came and told me, the husband, a very stern man, broken down in my office, crying. And he says, I don't know what to do. I'm so sorry. We can't go because we only have so much money saved up, but we need $15,000 for IVF. And, and we've decided we feel we need to stay back and use the money for the IVF. And I said, man of God, I understand completely. I release you. But later on, his wife spoke to him and says, absolutely not. And she said this, these words, I refuse to sow into barrenness. And so they took the money and they went to Malaysia. Here's what happened. That was the first couple. They came back and they found out they were pregnant from Malaysia. An impossible pregnancy. She was given three months to try to have a baby because that could reverse the process. Otherwise, she was looking at a full hysterectomy. Not able to have kids again. All her you know, organs would be taken out. Three months to try. That's why they were going to pull out. 
Instead, they trusted the Lord, they became pregnant, and then one after the other, every single couple became pregnant. We had a baby every month, once every month. We were the third month. We got pregnant too. Sorry, second month. We got pregnant too. I know, the pastor. We couldn't have a baby ever since Talia. It's seven years uh, before we had a pregnancy. Seven years, not one. You really did a number on us. (laughs) She wasn't listening. (laughs) She's talking. And so my wife gets pregnant. My wife gets pregnant. She's worship leading, and she's 10 weeks pregnant, and she begins to bleed. As she's coming off the platform, and I'm coming up to preach, she whispers in my ear and tells me, and my heart is feeling a bit heavy. And I'm thinking about her as I'm preaching the message, as she's crying. And one of our elders' wives takes her to the doctor, takes her to the hospital, and they said, look, you'll have to wait till Monday to get a proper scan. And she bled that afternoon. She bled that night, which because the doctor said, you're having a miscarriage, Mrs. Parditi. But we continued to press in. We trusted the Lord. The next morning, we prayed again. We said, no, Lord, you promised us. You're healed. You're going to have a son. You'll call him David. So we went for the scan, and here's what happened. David was fine in the womb. The baby is fine. There's no internal bleeding, and that's all we wanted to hear. But then he told us another piece of news we didn't expect. The doctor said, there's your left ovary, and there's your right ovary, and we have a scan that we took home with us. We were shocked. We thought we didn't hear properly. This is in 2011. Uh, What happened was a month later, we received a letter in the mail, and it said this, X-amount-year-old female presented with two functioning ovaries. We began to hoop and holler. Do you remember that? High-fiving, praising God in 2011. Because in May of 2009, my wife had a right ovary surgically removed. She shouldn't have two ovaries. There's two ovaries now. And it's, I got a scan with one ovary in 09 and two ovaries in 2011. I need you to start understanding these miracles are very, very real. I thought I'd bring you something closer to home. Why don't we stand to our feet? And here's what I'd like you to do. Let's get rid of our chairs. Would you allow us to pray for you? Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.